and welcome to the Company Watch on the Stock podcast. I'm Joe Kettner, CEO of Company Watch, and I'm joined by Nick Hood, Financial and Commercial Risk Analyst. Welcome, Nick. Hello, Joe. We are recording today's episode in the afternoon of Friday, the 22nd of April. And our key topic for this week is the insolvency figures, which were published this morning for March um, 2022. Nick, not massively pretty picture, is it, really? We're start- so we're now starting to see what life looks like for people when there are no protections for um, for debtors. Yes, I'm, I'm, I'm afraid so. I mean, what we what we got this morning was a figure for the month uh, for company insolvencies of 2,114. First time it's been over 2,000 for quite a time. It's 34% higher than uh, the figure for March 2019, which is the last equivalent month before the um, the pandemic. So there were 1,582 in March 2019. Now we're up at 2114. Mm. I think there's bound to be an element of catch-up going on there. You know, yeah. failures that have been in the system for quite a while that are coming uh, coming through. Yet again, it's heavily driven by um, CVLs, uh, creditor voluntary liquidations, 1,844. And yes, it's interesting. The you know, if you, it's so difficult finding valid comparisons uh, because there's been so much disruption over the last, you know, two years or so. But it's it, it, it's quite interesting if you look at the last quarter pre-pandemic. So that's December nineteen, January twenty, February twenty. We're twenty percent, twenty five percent up on those numbers oh. in, in the equivalent quarter, yeah. and. If you then start looking at the sectors, uh, and again, the quarters here are slightly out of sync because we don't have the March 22 sector by sector breakdown yet. But if you look at construction and you take the last quarter before the pandemic, so that's December 19 to February 20, Mm -hmm. compare it with December 21 to Feb 22, um, construction, which we always talk about as the canary in the coal mine, is up 23% on pre-pandemic. That's a lot. Yeah, it's a lot. That's a lot. But surprisingly, worse still, is um, logistics, haulage, transport, up 24%. And, of course, that's, you name it, that's Brexit. That's fuel prices. <laughs> that's labour shortages. Yeah. You know, it's, it, 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 it's horrid. Things like manufacturing is 10% up on... Pre-pandemic um, retail, this, the failures are ten percent up. Food and beverage, you know, the hospitality sector, is down five percent. Yeah, that's interesting, isn't it? I mean, what, what do you think that is? Well, because uh, they were still they were still protected because the rent protection was still running in February. The yeah. uh, lower VAT rate was still running in February, so they had a price advantage, and. Um, of course, they had the business rates holiday, partial holiday, were still going. So we may see we may see those numbers coming coming up again as we go through. It. And it, it, that, that sector breakdown, I think you're right, is really is really worth drilling down into, isn't it? And you know, construction. We were saying that anecdotally, and not even anecdotally, but you know, we're seeing them all over the place. But that is where when I talk to clients, construction is. It's a big focus. 
um, at the moment. And, and it's a contagion effect, isn't it, that that is so problematic for the construction um, well, the, the construction supply, sector. The supply chains are so heavily in, um, interdependent. Um, they are, generally speaking, the further down the supply chain you go, the more fragile financially the companies are. So if a if a contractor some way up the not, not even at the top of the scale, but say part way down the food chain drops out, it takes it takes a lot of companies with it. Not not immediately, but eventually. And you don't know, and you have, and that is kind of piecing that 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 jigsaw together to understand where the exposure the exposure is. And you may have no idea that your somebody you're contracting with has got a big exposure further up a different um, a different supply right. chain. You really. But really hard. We'll keep watching those numbers. Um, and we don't know, the other thing we don't know on that, because again, with construction, of course, we're, we're obviously very mindful of the huge inputs, price rises that are being driven by um, inflation anyway, COVID disruption, of course, the war in Ukraine. Um, and we don't know the, the kind of CBL driver, you know, where, where perhaps contractors have just thrown in the towel because they've agreed to fix price contracts and they cannot possibly, in the current circumstances, meet those um, those contracts. I think you're right. Absolutely, you're uh, uh, you're right. But um, anyway, we'll see how all this um, this plays out. Now, the, the other figures out this morning were the retail sales figures. Really interesting. These are, I mean, I know, let's look, a caveat as always, Nick is not the biggest fan of ONS when it comes to retail um, sales. Figures. We'll, we'll um, leave it there. What happens here is the ONS rams out these numbers once a month and the entire business media swallows it hook, line and sinker. And there isn't a single retail pundit who thinks they're worth the electricity wasted in distributing them or the paper they might be printed out on, um, but they showed what appeared at first signs to be uh, you know, a, a clear indication that the cost of living um, crisis is biting. Because overall sales year on year, this is March 2022, were down 1.4%. Mm-hmm. The market was expecting 03 A big difference. Big difference. Um, food sales down 1.1%. Mm-hmm. Um, petrol and diesel down 3.8%. Which just sounds crazy, doesn't it? It's ludicrous. That's right. But hey, what nobody ever notices is the numbers out of the, uh, these numbers out of the ONS are not sales value, but sales volume. And there is a big difference, isn't there, when inflation is running at whatever level inflation is running at. Well, particularly with petrol and, mm-hmm. and and diesel. So if you look year on year at sales value and you look at April, because we've got the numbers for April um, through other sources, then sales value growth year on year in April was up um, 6.7%. Wow. Different story. But although very interesting, because it, what, it, what does it mean? It means that people are buying less and paying more for it. Yes, yeah, so what it means is people, people in simple terms, cannot afford mm. to buy as much as they could before. Which, in a service-based economy like ours, that's really you know where consumer spending drives the economy. That's that's really quite quite worrying, isn't it? Yes, um, and what is interesting, if if we have if we have retail landlords listening. Uh, or those involved with retail landlords, um, online sales volumes down 8% year on year, which is the biggest drop since I don't know when, 
but I mean, nonetheless, online remains twenty percent above as a as a share. Um, yeah. Uh, from pre-pandemic. So all it means is we've had a correction from extreme shift to online. Well, we can go out. Let's face it, you know, for a long time, you know, people were not able to actually go out. Um, and we, we're comparing March to March, aren't we? Just, it's discrete months, the discrete month on the ONS um, yes. figures rather than year two. Yeah, okay. Yeah, we, are. we are, we are, we are, we are, we are. Um, the other thing out also, we've had a sort of raft of stuff today, is a, a, a highly respected set of um it's an index not hard numbers this is the gfk consumer confidence index and if you track back through history the worst confidence uh reading that this has ever come up with was a figure of minus 39 you know an index of minus 39 on consumer confidence in july 2008 during the during the global this really surprised me when you told me this i was astonished that it was it was then and not in 2020 so yeah that's one of the few few numbers that wasn't actually the worst during covid times i feel like that maybe needs to deserve a prize for for not being the best but maybe maybe things might change well until until now the lowest figure in the pandemic was in june 2020 when it was minus 36 but in april 2022 that's right now it's minus 38 and it's Um, in a month from minus 31 to minus 38 and the client strategy director at gfk says dire news for consumer confidence little prospect of any economic relief on the horizon we can only forecast further falls in the index for the year ahead and as we keep saying it's all about confidence Mm. It is all about confidence, yeah. you know. So that is well. You know, when you talk to people, I'm, I'm hearing, as everybody else is, stories about, you know, the the government saying, "Well, we're doing our bit towards compensating for the 54 percent increase in the mm. in 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 the energy price cap for consumers." But you know, I know people who've had their direct debits tripled. In one quick case, quadrupled, because they're going, as coincidence would have it, from a cheap lock-in deal from a couple of years ago, straight on to <sighs> variable tariff, because there's there are no cheap deals anymore. There is only one deal in town. And so, you know, if your direct debit for your energy goes from, I don't know, £120 a month to 360 pounds a month and you can't control it because it's a direct debit then suddenly you know all sorts of you know if if goodness me if netflix is losing 200,000 uh, subscri- subscribers when it was expected to put on two and a half million then people really are reviewing, yeah. reviewing every cost every mm. cost every yeah. cost so um you can see why that's heading in that direction um where are we going to find some good news, Joe? Um, well, not, not with the IMF, sadly. I think that was our other um, that was our other piece of news for, for this week. A big downgrade, wasn't it, across the board, really, but particularly bad for for the UK. Yes, I mean, and there's, actually, there's a very interesting philosophical point at the end. But let's do the numbers first. Um, the IMF has cut its forecast for the global economy this year. 2022 by 0.8% to the growth to 3.6%. And 
when it looks at uh, the UK growth next year, 2023, it's saying that it will fall to just 1.2%, which will make us the worst performing country in the G7. But the the comment that I, that really came came home to me was was one in the IMF report where it just says the war in Ukraine risks splitting the world into two economic blocks as a tectonic shift puts an end to decades of globalization. You know where you really have. Um, I, I actually suspect it's more than two because I think it's it's the Asian focused part of the global economy there's the western one don't ask me where russia fits in between the two and then you've got all the developing and the underdeveloped economies in places like africa china is china is so so busy in those areas with port expansion and lending goodness knows how much money to african countries you know that is really drawing those developing economies into the the kind of chinese asian sphere of influence um you know we don't know what's happening you know obviously then they're they're kind of looking at, at russia and you know Learning lessons, one would hope, from from what happens if you if you try to invade neighbours and smaller smaller neighbours. But you know there is really, um, I think you're right. I think that this this, this this disruption we saw in COVID. You know, if, if any lessons were learned from that, it's that you need to have more resilient supply chains. You, you need to have some some kind of closer shoring um, of these things. And Russia again, I think, is, is if that lesson hadn't been learnt, I think that is being being certainly hammered home now, and that, and that has huge implications for costs, doesn't it? You know, if you're if you're bringing operations into higher wage economy, you're not doing productivity, which is really you know mechanisation, productivity, all those kind of things allows you to kind of keep costs down. Um, but that takes time, doesn't it? And that needs business investment. And as we know in the UK, that's one of the things that really hasn't been been happening. Well, that's right. And, and, and on the cost front, it's interesting. The IMF chief economist also said. Uh, and, and it's it's sort of the same point um, as I was making just now. He, he said, and I quote, the war also increases the risk of a more permanent fragmentation of the world economy into geopolitical blocks. And here comes the important bit with distinct technology standards, distinct cross-border payment systems and different reserve currencies. So, you know, if that is the end product of um, rampant nationalism in Russia, it's going to be a little bit more than the world thought uh, thought was going to happen, and the implications are quite serious. Absolutely, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, particularly the West, but absolutely all around the world. Okay, I'll slightly uh, my fi- final piece of slightly better news, I suppose. So not I know, but um, we had a, a BIPA meeting. So that's a Business Information um, Providers Association. So the CRA, the, the main CRAs, um, meet once a month to um, to discuss industry issues. And we were um, very pleased to welcome Louise Smith, who is the Registrar of Companies House, to give us an update. Um, and she's 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 great. I mean, I think we we think she's she's doing really. Great job at, at Companies House in terms of leading um, reforms and kind of engaging with with that reform process. Um, and I think, as listeners will remember, we had a, a fair, an economic crime bill that was passed in record time. I think Companies House is still kind of a bit reeling <laughs> from the speed at which that went through um, went through uh, Parliament. 
and that the, the key the key bit from um from our listeners interest there will be the register of overseas um owners of, of property so that's company company's house for the minister um they are doing well i think they they seem to be kind of on track to to be looking at summer time i think for, for launch although there's no hard dates because of course you know there's, there's lots of loose ends to be tied up as well as the technology um part there's some other loose ends to be tied up so that they're doing well on that and and they think um that that the second part of the economic crime um act which covers all the company's house reforms you know which were consulted on initially in 2019 and then again in, in 2020 um they sh- we should be getting parliamentary time for that in the summer um, so that is really that's good news, and and you know if anything they they say that looking at how the first bill was actually you know the the measures went beyond what perhaps had been consulted on. They're saying that, that they are expecting that there may be some some tightening of, of of those measures, which you know they welcome. I think we as as information providers and users of information would really welcome. You know anything that closes loopholes and really makes it hard for um for for companies to be used for nefarious means is, is a good thing. Of course, the issue there is it's all very well having a an act, but goodness me, it's going to take. <laughs> It's going to take some, well, not any enforcement, but just changing of systems. You know, so I think this is this is at least a kind of two, three year implementation, and that's better. I think originally when we were when we were thinking these were on the card pre pandemic, pre Ukraine, um, you know, we were thinking this is a four or five year time scale. So that is being brought forward, but there's you know money issues. Will the budget be there? You know, the technology there's lots of pre technology staff staff at the moment in Compass House are trained to receive information and put it on the register. Now they're really much bigger to be able to query. But of course you need to train you need to train people. So I think it's good it's good positive news that this hasn't, you know, there was I was concerned there was a an amendment that was proposed to the original economic crime bill which would force the government to have um, the, the second, the company's house part within 28 days, and that wasn't uh, it wasn't accepted. So there was a slight concern that you know we might get this pushed down, but it does look like it will be coming um, coming in the summer, um, and there seems to be proper cross party support for, for this to go through. So that is good good news. It won't change overnight, but it will. You know, it's if we don't have it, nothing will change ever. We need to have this so that things can start to change in the in the future. Excellent. Good news. Yeah, should we stop there? Should we, should we stop there? Quick while we're ahead. Um, thanks so much, Nick, as ever, for um, really interesting analysis. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Until next time, goodbye.